listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hey, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Jeff Nishwitz. He's the founder of the Nishwitz Group, a speaking, consulting, and coaching company that helps professionals enhance and accelerate their results. Jeff works with professionals and their firms in four core areas, ensuring your firm's future with succession planning and future leader development, building business development cultures and accelerating revenue growth, engaging, empowering, and entrusting your team, and navigating your profession with less stress and more peace. Jeff is the author of four books, Think Again, Innovative Approaches to the Business of Law, Unmask, Let Go of Who You're Supposed to Be and Unleash Your True Leader, Arrows of Truth, Simple Shifts for Personal Transformation, and Just One Step, Walking Backwards to the Present on the Camino Trail. I hope you get some great ideas from Jeff today as we talk about building and growing your relationship funnel. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today, I have a guest who's a friend of mine. I've had him on other podcasts before. He's an expert on leadership and sales development and business development. We're going to be talking today with Jeff Nishwitz. Jeff, thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, Scott. I'm excited to be back with you. It's been a while. It has. And it's a different world. It's a different world today (laughs) than when we talked before. And for those listening, our topic is building and growing your relationship funnel which I think is highly appropriate in any economy, in any market, regardless of a virus, regardless of a crisis. People have to keep that top of mind, those people that are in the business of getting business. So let's start with some definitions, Jeff. Tell us about what does that mean when you say relationship funnel? What What does that mean exactly? Yeah, well, one of the things I love about what I do, Scott, is the opportunity to keep learning myself. Mm -hmm. And so I've been teaching and training and coaching professionals and business development professionals on that topic for 20 years now, since mm-hmm. 2000. And before that, I was one of those professionals, a lawyer, you know, building my own book and doing it within the confines of all the demands of that profession. And I've been always been highly relational, but it was just about six months ago while I was doing a training workshop on this topic that I, I came upon in my own mind this idea of a relationship funnel. And, you know, most people know what a sales funnel is. Now, I will say a lot of professionals, the lawyers and accountants don't because they don't think that way. You know, people in more traditional sales, they're very familiar with a sales funnel. But what I realized is when we're engaging in these efforts and activities, there's really two funnels. There's a sales funnel Mm -hmm. and there's a relationship funnel. And they are very different. And it is critical that you know where people are and which funnel they're in and what you need to do to move them in their respective funnel. Interesting, interesting. So let me, let me kind of stop you right there. A sales funnel and a relationship funnel. What's the difference? What are the definitions for those? We're getting kind of, kind of uh, really deep into this, which is great. So typically, if you think about a sales funnel, right? A sales funnel is you know, a lot of different versions, but we say we've got suspects, prospects, whatever, and we move them through the funnel and we, you know, we eventually get them to close and then they hopefully become a lifelong client or customer. But that's all about, to me, that is the people that we have, we have mutually agreed. I'm going to say mutually agreed that there's an opportunity to work together. So if, if, you know, if I'm talking to a lawyer who I say, you know, I'll bet I can help them with business development, they're not in my sales funnel until they tell me that there's an opportunity for us to talk about working together. 
Until then, they are in my relationship funnel. And my relationship funnel has two different types of people. Mm -hmm. It is people who might become, they might become clients who go over to the sales funnel at some point, or they are referral sources who can help me build that too. So if I could draw this for you right now, I would say, here's this relationship funnel and it is what feeds the sales funnel. I see. That makes sense. And there's different questions. So on the sales funnel, we're typically qualifying, we're moving them through a process. But on the relationship funnel, we're really asking three basic questions. Okay. One is, in what ways, and we've got to think about action, but the three questions are, where are they in the relationship with me? Are they an incredibly strong relationship? Are they a newer relationship? Are they a middle-level relationship? And my activities with that person are designed to move and enhance the relationship level. Right. The second question we're asking is, how educated are they? And when I work with my clients, coaching them, I'll ask them about every person on their list. I'll say, do they know every way that you work with clients and who you work with? And it's a yes or no. If they say sort of, I say that's a no. So now the goal with that person is we know we've got to educate them. And the third question, which is related to the relationship, but they can be different, is how effectively have I earned their trust? Right. I call it earning the right. Have I earned the right to a referral? Have I earned the right to an introduction? Have I earned the right to talk to them about my work so I can see if I can move them over to the sales funnel? This is interesting. So this isn't just shoot from the hip. Let me make a bunch of calls and see what happens. We're being very deliberate. We're being very intentional about what our prospects look like. Uh, Do you think some people might say this sounds too contrived? It sounds like it's not sincere. What, what What do you think about that? I've rarely heard that. If I did hear that, I would say it is about being systematic but fully authentic and relational within the system. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm all about being systematic. And what I've learned is that one of the questions I get all the time is so a, a sales professional says, my manager has, we've got this process. And I said, well, the problem with the process is it's not the process that's the problem. It's are you relational within the process? That's the key. And one of the big things that gets in our way there is, And this is one that we're not talking about. And I think it's one of the most important things to talk about is, Scott, I mean, you have a business, Scott, and Scott, you want to grow your business and you want more clients just like me, right? Right. So you have an objective to grow your business and to get more clients. The problem is when we have an objective like that, it's really hard, incredibly difficult to not let that lead the charge. To mm-hmm. not interact with others from a place of, I need your referral, I need your business, because that's my goal. So I have actually chosen, and this is controversial, but I, you know, I speak from the heart. I have consciously chosen to make the growth of my business the secondary piece of my business development efforts. And what would you say is the first part of that? This is the cool part. When I'm out meeting people, no matter where and how, you know, during COVID, I've met more people during COVID than I did the three months before because I'm doing it virtually and I have more time for it. Right. But the, my goal is when I interact with people is I am learning and I am enriching my life. That's my number one goal. I interact with people to learn and, and to enrich my life. 
That's great. When I have that goal, I build relationships. I earn the right very quickly. And I earn the right to also educate them so that now my goal, the business comes from that. I still have to have those conversations. I still need to educate. I still need to be willing to ask for the introductions. But for example, when if I met you, Scott, through network, call it networking, even though I hate the word because it's so transactional, but if you and I are networking, I can guarantee you at the end of our conversation, I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one is, how can I help you? And number two is, who should I meet? Mm. And they're going to say, what kind of people do you want to meet? Because most people assume I'm asking for an introduction for someone for the sales funnel, don't they? Right. right. And they feel uncomfortable because they may not know someone. They may think it's too early. It's like go, you know, going too far on the first date. And I always tell them the same thing. I want to talk to interesting people doing interesting things. That's great. So that's a different approach than the salesperson that won't leave your house until you give them five names and phone numbers of your five closest friends, right? Exactly. <laughs> so that's interesting. So that that is, uh, some people will say that's heresy. That's heresy. heresy. And, you know, close them, close them, close them. Come on. What about getting the order? What about overcoming the objection? Your approach, I can see that, and I think it's a mature approach because in sales, whoever needs it the least always wins. And you're setting yourself up to showcase your expertise to those people that presumably would at some point have a need for something like that. And you're letting that need predicate their desire to connect with you, but you're doing it in a way so that everybody knows about you. You're maximizing the odds that way. And I'm sure you're very strategic about who puts, gets into that sales funnel. So people are, exactly. in the relationship, people are in the relationship funnel. And I like the way you parse it into two different areas. So, and you talked about the questions what were some of the questions you mentioned? You, you said three questions, and I, and I didn't get the others. I can't even read my writing for the first one. Oh, oh, well, with the people I meet with? That's right. That's right. No, I'm going to ask them two questions. How can I help you? And who should I meet? And the thing is, though, Scott, I want to be really clear. All the things you talked about in the sales process, you know, the qualifying questions, the closing questions, all awesome, but that only applies to someone once they're in the sales funnel. But too often, we're applying the sales process to the relationship funnel. Got it. And that's why I love the idea of the two funnels. And so when I'm coaching someone, perfect example, because you know this is about getting to the micro level. They'll say, hey, I just had this meeting with such and such last week. Great. What funnel are they in? Mm. Oh, well, here's a great example. Um, this was someone that they were talking to about doing work for them. And let's call the leader, the CEO of this company, Joe. So Joe wants to engage me to do work for their firm. Great. So Joe in that context is in the sales funnel. Hmm. Joe also said, hey, I'm looking forward to working with you. I can already think of five people that I want to introduce you to in other businesses to talk to them about your, their work. So I said, so where is Joe? Joe's in both funnels right now, isn't he? So right. Joe's in the sales funnel for a sales process. But I also need him in the, in the relationship funnel because that's where he's going to make five introductions for me. Right, right. But I'm going to right. treat him differently. And those are different conversations. So do you put these people's information, do you categorize them one and the other within your contact management system? I haven't found a system that lets me do that well. I do do that. I mean, I will put it in a note. Most of it for me is still, that's where I just rely on my memory because I know... I can look at a person's name and I know which funnel they're in. 
Yeah, I'm sure you could create an attribute within a system uh, that way to categorize them as where they are in the funnel. Probably so. I just developed this idea four to six months ago, which seems a while ago. Got it, Still right. learning how I'm going to use it. But what's really interesting is with my coaching clients and when I do the workshops, using examples, real life examples, people really quickly get it. Say, oh, they're in the relationship funnel. Yeah, oh, no, right. they're in the sales funnel. And I, the way I look at it is this. So I was on a call yesterday. Someone introduced me to a woman who has a coaching business. We got on her call and within five minutes, she was selling me. Yeah. She was asking qualifying questions. I'm like, what's going on here? I didn't like it. Now, I realized it was a misunderstanding, actually, because partway into it, I said, hey, um, all the things you're talking about, I'm actually doing. I was introduced to you so we could see how we might be able to help each other. She said, oh, I thought you were interested in coaching. So she was treating me as if I was in the sales funnel. Now, she may not know the difference. I just am loving the ability to keep people separate because they are separate. They are, indeed. So what do you recommend in terms of people creating a plan, like a written plan? How would any sort of written business plan factor into what you're talking about here with these two different funnels? First of all, simpler the better. And so to me, there's two kinds of business plans that I recommend for all my clients, and they're both simple. One is a real simple go-through a process. Let's talk about your sales and marketing mix because organizations have them, but every individual needs to look at their marketing mix. How much of your business development is going to be one, you know, some form of one-on-one interaction? How much of it is going to be events? How much it is going to be outreach? And I'll explain outreach in a moment. How much is going to be writing? How much is going to be speaking? And, and what do you need in each of those? So we want to look at your mix. And outreach to me is that's just staying in touch with people. Sometimes that's a meeting. But for example, you know, I have different goals with my clients. The goals for outreach is much higher than for so-called meetings. And meetings could be face-to-face, could be virtual, could be a phone call. But that's like a scheduled time. Right. So this morning, I had a a Zoom call with someone I've never met at nine o'clock this morning. That would have been a meeting, in quotes, in my plan. Me sending an email to someone I met a couple days ago saying, hey, I remember you talking about you liked red wine. Here's a cab that I really enjoyed. That's outreach. That's all in relationship funnel unless I've got a sense that they've indicated interest in the actual work. So the one plan is what's the mix? The other is, this is incredibly simple. In some simple way, you've got to have a list of the people or your CRM is going to allow you to systematically keep track. Who are the people you want to stay in front of, whatever that means. And here's the key to it. You never have an interaction with someone ever where there's not a next action ever. Got it. The next action might be to say, you know what? I met you, Scott. I go, yeah, I never want to talk to him again. (laughs) <laughs> so, so my next action is I'm going to delete you from my CRM, right? but then that's it. The, the rest is, so, you know, the guy today I have to talk to is Chris. I talked right before this call, so I didn't do it yet. After our interview, I will go into my CRM. I will put some notes in and there's going to be a note for him that says schedule wine because we want to get together for wine. Mm-hmm. Someone else, it might be a hello email in three weeks. Got it. And what I say may be different, but there's always an action item. The simpler, the better. The more complex the plan, the less likely it will be executed. Right. I understand. And I agree with that too. Let me ask you then, 
what are indicators that someone is ready to move from the relationship funnel to the sales funnel? So the indicators are, we find the, I wouldn't say there's, certainly if they express an interest, you know, the obvious one is I just met someone for the first time yesterday on a Zoom call. His name is Taylor. And during the call, Taylor said, you know, at some point I might be interested in you helping me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that was the first call. Now, at this point, he was very clear. He said, that's not right now. So I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to sell him right now. Right. So I've got him in two funnels, in a relationship building funnel. Now he's interesting because he could certainly be a referral source. His business also, the nature of his business is he's in financial services. And this is a great one for the lawyers and accountants. He builds teams for his clients. And he said, Jeff, you know, you could be my business growth guy on my team for my clients. I go, okay. So now I'm going, okay. I'm thinking about how do I build the relationship? How do I earn the right onto his team? And down the road, he might be a potential client. So he's in both funnels and my CRM will indicate that in terms of next up for Taylor is next Friday, we're getting together for drinks and cigars because I found out he likes cigars. That's great. By the way, that's an interesting one. There's a few things in my life that I love. Okay. I love hugs. I love live theater. I love red wine and bourbon, and I love cigars. There, there it is. And you There's can my you, thing. That's great. Yeah, and I've I've been able to be fortunate during the crisis in Virginia. All the golf courses have been open, so I've been playing a lot of golf. My score is getting better. And one of my clients and I talked about this yesterday. We talked about getting together sometime in the next few months. I'll come up to his club, and he's even going to bring the chairman of this big firm with us, and the three of us are going to hang out for a day playing golf. And that's a clear indication that I've got an open path to do more work with them because it's he initiating that. And it's, it's exciting to see that, that it happens when it does. So Jeff, let me ask you then with the idea of reaching out to someone on LinkedIn and saying, I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn because I want to sell you something. That just, <laughs> what oh do you God. think about that approach? Oh my God, Scott, it's awful. It's beyond <laughs> awful. It is insulting. So I have a standard practice with what I do with those people now. It's a standard practice. So I'm very open on LinkedIn. Anybody reaches out to me, unless it looks like weird, I will accept them. Right. And this happens regularly. So let's say you, Scott, reached out to me and I accepted your connection. And that day or the next day, I get the email that's 14 paragraphs of all the amazing things you do. (laughs) I now have, it's in my head. I don't have to cut and paste. I type it quickly. Here's what happens. They will get a note back to me, from me on LinkedIn that says this. I don't. I agreed to connect with you. I didn't agree to be sold by you. Right. This approach may work for you somewhere, but it doesn't work with me. I suggest you take a look at how you're doing business, and then I disconnect from them. Yeah. I'm harsh that way. I mean, I'm just not going to play the game. Yeah, I usually will just say your introduction isn't very compelling. No, thank you. And, just, and, and I will tell you, I try, I'm not perfect. I would say I'm probably at 70 to 80%. When I reach out to people on LinkedIn, I will mention something. I will send a note, not just, hey, can we connect? And I'll put a note in it. It will be something personal mm-hmm. or specific to them. It's not going to be, hey, I'd love to connect. It would show that I've at least spent a few minutes looking at their profile. Right. Hey, I see we have some common people in interest. If we have that, I'm absolutely going to ask them how well they know a person. Right. Like I'll go to 
I'll look at the list and let's say you're on it, Scott. I'm going to say, I'm going to see who I know the best. And when my reach out will say, Hey, um, Jane, I saw that, you know, Scott, you know, I don't know how well you know him. Interesting. We have something in common. Love to connect with you. And then I'll create the dialogue from there. And, you know, I'm not going to have a phone call or ask for a phone call from everyone because I don't have time for that. Right. But I'm selective with that. What have you seen in how people are connecting, how people are doing business development within the coronavirus pandemic? What are some of the big challenges and changes that you've seen? Well, the biggest challenge is, and it's, I'd love to see it say it's a change. The biggest challenge is too many people stopped. And I think it's a huge mistake. I think it's potentially a catastrophic mistake. I think too many people, they fell into two traps. One is they started assuming that people didn't have time to talk to them, right. which in fact, the opposite was true. I will tell you the first two weeks of the shutdown in Florida, and, and my business is not limited to Florida. I'm in Tampa, but the first two weeks, I couldn't hear, I didn't hear back from anybody. After that, however, I am regularly scheduling a large number of Zoom calls every week. A lot of those are people I've never met before, but someone else introduced me. So people are more open. And I think people fell into the trap of saying, I don't, people are busy. And the other thing was, this is about the sales and relationship funnel. They said, nobody wants to buy right now. So why am I reaching out to them? I said, that's why you reach out to them right now. You're not selling anything. This is the relationship funnel. And my belief around the pause, I call it the pause, is people mistakenly think that, say it's March 15th, you know what? I'm going to just not reach out to people for a month. And then I'll just throw a light switch and start. Right. But I believe the recovery from a pause is a, a multiplier effect. I think a six-week pause takes six months to recover from. Yeah, I would agree with that. I did a podcast on my podcast in March with a guy named Mark LeBlanc, and the title of the podcast was Stay in Gear. And Mark was talking about how critical it is in these times to stay in gear, your message just might change a little bit. You're right. Yeah, Mark's great. I know Mark. I just talked with Do him. you? Yeah. Yeah, Mark's a great friend of mine, actually. I'm very blessed. He He's had done a lot of, had a lot of influence in my life. And in fact, he did the forward to my brand new book that just came out. Oh, that's exciting. And tell me about your book. So the book is called Just One Step, Walking Backwards to the Present on the Camino Trail. It's really, I guess the category is personal development, personal growth, inspirational. It's about my walk on the Camino de Santiago in Spain a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And about some of the things I learned about myself and about life and ways to lead differently, live differently. And Mark is a fellow uh, Camino pilgrim. He's actually walked the Camino three times and helped mentor me on my walk. And so that's why he wrote the forward. It's, it's really about how to live and lead differently in every corner of your life. Well, I can't wait to get that. And Jeff, tell us about the services that you offer. I know you do a lot of coaching and what's interesting is as I launch this podcast, people within my network and people I don't know have reached out to me within the legal community, some partners that are interested in growing their books. They want to learn more about rainmaking. One of them even told me that he himself hired a coach out of his own pocket to really get some uh, training on business development and rainmaking and all that. Tell me, what are some of the menu of offerings that you have to those that are listening today? Well, uh, thanks for that question. And I, I want to say before I answer that, what you just described is one of the biggest issues, especially with professionals 
but everybody in business development because very few of them invest in themselves. Right. They're all waiting for the firm to invest in them. And I look at them and say, you're nuts because firms are looking for professionals who will invest in themselves. Right. It was interesting during the pandemic and as this kicked off, law firms, for example, accounting firms a little less so, law firms were laying off lawyers. And I guarantee you they are not laying off lawyers who are active in their business development efforts, whether they have a book yet or not. And if you go in and tell them, hey, I just hired a coach to help me with this, are they laying you off? No, they're laying off the person who's been sitting at their desk waiting for someone to give them work. So one of the biggest things for professionals and business development professionals is you have to be willing to invest in yourself, not wait for your company to do it. So that's my spiel on that. And so what I do is I, I do work a lot with professionals uh, I'm a, as an ex-lawyer, uh, and I work with them in four areas. I work with them on succession planning, which is really developing the future leaders, do a lot of work with them around business development, just all the things we've talked about, whether it's building a culture within the firm or working with individual professionals to help them be more systematic and more impactful in their efforts. Uh, I do work with their teams. I also have found a niche in working with professionals around stress. You know, people accuse me of being um, a psychologist, not a coach, (laughs) because one of the biggest challenges in the profession is the emotional impact of being in the profession. And a lot of professionals aren't willing to raise their hand, but those that do, I work with them to help them. I call it navigate the profession with less stress and more peace. That's great, Jeff. And we're going to put all of your contact information on the show notes so that if anybody, anybody listening wants to reach out to Jeff, you'll be able to go click on where you see the podcast, look in the show notes, and those links will be there. And so let's kind of end our call with the three action steps. What are three action steps people can take to get started integrating some of these ideas you have, which are fantastic ideas, by the way? So the three that come to mind are, number one is to sit down and assess your contacts on the funnel basis. Which funnel are they in? Are they in the relationship funnel? Are they in the sales funnel? Are they a little bit of both? So assess your existing contacts. And going forward, as you get new contacts and relationships, immediately assess them. So number one is figure out your funnels. Number two is within those funnels, especially the relationship funnel, ask three questions about each person. Assess and rate the relationship. Mm -hmm. Assess and rate how well educated they are on what you do and who you do it for. And that's a yes or no. If you say, ah, pretty good, that's a no. And number three is assess, just ask yourself yes or no, have I earned the right to go to the next step with them? So that's very practical. And the third one is get more, well, I don't want to go with that one because it's still too general. I was going to say be systematic. Right. Amp up your activities by multiples. Professionals tend to, the outreach efforts, the interaction with other people, the relationship funnel is their lowest priority because they got all this other work to do. You have to create space for it and there will never be space for it if it's the last thought. So you need to put that first. It's kind of like a personal calendar. If you want to have a vacation with your family, you have to lock in the vacation. Same thing with business development. Do not wait and say, ah, my week looks pretty good next week. Nope. Book your five meetings next week or six or eight or 10 
and work around it. You will, it will work, trust me, but the other way will not work. Great ideas, Jeff. Jeff Nishwich, thanks for being here today. We're going to have you back on the show with other topics. You've got a lot of wisdom. You've got a lot of insight. And you've got my endorsement. I think you can help a lot of the people that are listening today. Thanks so much for being here, Jeff. Hey, Scott. Fantastic. As I told you at the beginning, I love talking about these things and sharing ideas and just, I call it riffing and ripping. That's it. Well, very good. Thank you so much. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.